square fielder. He's gone to the dogs. Hello. Hey, is this the store down there at Slidell, uh, Louisiana, where they've got the telephone? Uh, if it is, I need you to run up the road there and get that boy out there that's uh, uh, picking them watermelons at Billy Dwyer. <laughs> Could you bring him to the phone, please? He might need a little water before he can talk, <laughs> but I'll see what I can do. <laughs> hey, Billy, how you doing, brother? I'm great, Steve. How about you? Man, I couldn't be any better. I really couldn't. I'm Good. down here in the heat. We got a to 90 degrees forecasted here today on the west coast of uh, of uh, transplanted Yankeeville. Better wow, known we get 95. Florida. 95. Woo. Yep, down here in the swamps. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. Man, that's uh, it's summertime in the south. It is. It is that for sure. Well, Miss Ella and I kind of have a thing, you know, when we say something about the weather or complain about it. She had a little boy in in school when she taught, and uh, and in whatever the question was, he'd raise his hand, and she'd say, uh, I, boy, I can't remember that kid's name. Said She'd recognize him, and, and he'd stand up and say, I live in Florida. <laughs> he was proud of it, man. Yeah, I guess. It, it ain't too much fun right now down here, though. No, it's not. Well, Billy, I'm glad to talk to you. You know, it's been... Yes, sir. You too, Steve, always. Yeah, it's been back in... It was in February, on February 6th, that uh, you and my... Uh, partner in crime, Keston Jesse, did the episode on pup training for dummies, so it's been that long since we've talked. So yeah, that's too long. That. That's wow. too long. Yes. Well, we do text back and forth a messenger and that sort of thing, but uh, mm-hmm. but yeah, it's good to have you on here. I uh, we just we've had some good podcasts here of late, and I know you've always been a real faithful supporter of Gone to the Dogs, and I do appreciate that very much. Oh, and you're welcome. You, I enjoy it. Well, I know, and I I appreciate you letting me know that you do, and I know that you listen to several podcasts, and uh, and that's that's all good. Uh, Mm-hmm. Uh, I mentioned in the last episode, uh, or no, when we did our drawing, our wheel spin uh, this past Monday, I mentioned Jason Snellgrove up there in Missouri has that Coonhound Collective. And uh, so anyway, it's we're all just one big happy family out here, or we should be. Well, them guys, they must be taking summer vacation or something because um, he hadn't put out one in a while. And I haven't heard anything on the Coon Hunting University in a while. Yeah. I mean, it's just pretty much you. And now I love the guys over at the um, Houndstooth, you know. And <laughs> they're they are quite the bunch over there for sure. Yeah, yeah they roped my my buddy Keston Jesse into being on their podcast, and as we're recording this today. Uh, Billy, it uh, it's air it's airing right now, 
I heard it this morning. Did, yeah, I did too. That's when I listened to it. It was pretty good. Uh, but uh, they get a few words out of Keston. That's a job for anybody, you know? Yes, sir. <laughs> well, what have you been up to down there in the swamps? I've been following you, your progress on your female Ruby, and uh, oh. sounds like she's she's really starting to get it together. Uh, well, dang. I guess you could say that. We've run in through run into a few hiccups and stuff and I hadn't been posting a whole lot. We've been I've been working on her some and just a few issues and I don't know if it's the time of year or what's going on, but uh she's kinda I don't know if it's backsliding, but there's a few things she's starting to do that I've been trying to work on. You know, um still treeing a few coons here and there, but there's some issues that I got to get with, and especially the hunting with other dogs and all, Steve. I mean, it's a, it's a job, you hear me? All this fun, fun, coon hunting fun is fun, it's for sure, but right now, we working. <laughs> the old saying, get a coon dog, they said. It'll be fun, they said. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Maybe one day, you know. Well, you know, it's a process with these pups, and we've talked about pup training a lot, and I, right. I respect your your uh, methods, and I think uh, you've done a really good job with this young female. How old is Ruby now? Oh, she'll be two, July 5th. Okay, she's about the same age as Keston's Clyde dog. He'll right. be He'll be two in July. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, you know, uh, they go through a process, you know, and I and sometimes we call it the terrible twos, and I've mm-hmm. heard it called the adolescent phase. And is and, that a is that a thing with these dogs like that? I haven't really dealt with well, that much, but you know, this one I'm dealing with it. You know, well, you know, Billy, if we break that down, I, I'm reminded of this, having watched the results of the hunts you know in the magazines and of course you mm-hmm. know we're we're too shy of what we used to be in this coonhound sport with the announcement that the american cooner and full cry are no longer being published and right and i think that kind of rocked the coonhound world a little bit but those of us who kind of been paying attention we knew it was coming because when people don't advertise in a magazine, then, uh, you know, uh, there's little for the subscribers to read. And then when the subscribers mm-hmm. don't subscribe, there's a small audience for an advertiser to try to pursue. So it's just a, a vicious circle there. But anyway, in watching those uh results down through the years and especially in organizations like PKC that publishes the uh pro hound with their races and stand standings and high you know female of the year, male of the year, pup of the year, breeder of the year, all of that stuff. Right. You look at these dogs uh, with a few exceptions, they're not consistent winners. All their lives. I have noticed that. I definitely have noticed that, you know. Yeah, they don't, you know, you don't get a, well, I guess Secretariat won the Triple Crown, but, uh, you know, and and 
of course, they retire those horses to the stud farm after that. But, you know, right. they, you don't win every race. You don't win every hunt. You don't. And, the, and what I'm trying to get to here, and I'm doing a poor job of it, is they just don't win or perform, I should say, consistently throughout their whole lives. You, you know, there's yes. been few dogs that have been just push the button and out pops, you know, a carbon copy uh, mm -hmm. of the night before. They have good nights, they have bad nights. How many times you have heard, heard hunters, how's old Joe doing? Well, he hasn't been looking good lately, you know. Yeah. And what do they? What happens? I don't know. Do you have an answer? <laughs> I sure don't. I mean, I wish I did. I'd be a millionaire. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'd be publishing a book, whether anybody reads it or not. I'd I say, guarantee you. Yes, sir. this right here is the five steps to an automatic big winning coon dog. If and you, you notice. If, go ahead. No, go ahead. I'm just... Well, I'm going to just uh, piggyback on what you're saying there is if you ask 100 people to try to help you with that situation, you're going to get 100 different answers. And I'm thinking, which one is the right one? And I think it can only be answered by whatever you're doing and whatever's working. And, I mean, there's a lot of things yeah. that, you know, you can do, but... You don't really have an answer, a correct one from everybody. Basic stuff, I get, you know, but when it comes to different situations and all, these dogs put us through just so many different. That's why you never see me ever post a question because I'd get a headache reading all the different answers to the questions. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're going to run the gamut from shoot the dog to, uh, right. <laughs> to, you know, the most outlandish things you've ever heard. Crank yeah. it up to 18 and hold the button for 20 minutes. Right. And, <laughs> you know, I mean, it, it is. It's all over the board. And the old saying is, you know, opinions are like, well, we know uh, what they say, and um, and everybody's got one. But, That's right. Um, yeah, it, it's a tough thing to figure out how to bring these dogs along and and they don't all make it. I, you know, some people I think kind of have a gift um, when it comes to having a good dog or training a good dog. My buddy, and I mentioned him a lot of times on here in Pennsylvania, Randy Smith, he seems to have, I think, beyond picking the, the you know, right stud dogs for his females, dog going, if he picks a pup out of the litter, Mm. And these pups are eight weeks old or ten weeks old or something like that. Doggone it, he picks the best uh, best hey, one in the right. litter. I mean, he's got a gift for that. He right. does. Yeah. You know, there's so much that plays in to not just that, but it it's territory to me. It's territory where you hunt, mm. how the coons run an area you hunt. If you got a lot of coons in that area that you hunt, I mean, poor Ruby. I mean, I know, believe me, I love where I hunt at. There's not a lot of coons, Steve, but she's had to work for everyone she's got. I mean, it's just not easy down here. I, I just can't go three, six, or seven a night and leave and just be happy. I mean, it's just really, really 
tough. I'm well, not complaining. I get it. That's just part of it. But um, it's you know, and it's going to bring up different situations when she can't strike nothing pretty quick. She gets down in there. She's pumped up like she is. An old possum runs across her or whatever. It's hard for a hound that's got to drive not to want to get on it. Now, mm-hmm. I've been really lucky lately that I've noticed, you know, she had, I went two nights last night and the night before, didn't even get a bark, but she's been going hunting. I've had an issue with her going and coming back. So I wanted to take her by herself and which I'm trying to hunt her with more dogs and I've got that advice and, I, and I'm going to do that. And I have been, but I've been taking her by herself to see if this is uh, kind of bleeding over and she'd go six, seven, 800 yards and she'd make a little loop here, there and here and there. Then she'd get on something, come back to me and she'd start do this. Now that is my fault. I look, I work during the week. I try to take her out. She don't get on anything. I let her get a certain distance and I'll let her go until it's like, she's not doing anything. And then I'll tone her. Boom. She come back. Well, guess what? She's gotten used to that, I think, now. She goes for a while, and she comes back. She never was doing that. That's my issue, so that you can blame that on me, and I'm trying to get her out of that. So that's one thing we're working on, you know. But um, there's just so many different variables playing these dogs and where we hunt and how we take them and train them. And, you know, they're not all going to be the same for sure, you know. Well, I think that hunting thing is probably the most frustrating thing that we can. Well, I don't know there again. Things pop in my mind. My wife gets after me all the time. I'll start to say something, and then another thought will come, and I'll, right. I won't finish that sentence, and I'll start another one, and then I may even start the <laughs> third one. And she says, what are you talking about? <laughs> you know? But uh, thinking about that hunting thing, and of course it'd be frustrating of a dog leaving the tree or a dog mm-hmm. all of a sudden start treeing possums uncontrollably and things like that. There's all kinds of things that can pop up. But, you know, I've been talking to, to my buddies here, Nubbin Moore. You know, Nubbin, he's, boy, he's a tough one. He's, uh, I think Nubbin's 81 now. And uh, he's got a little female there named Kate, and she's a good little dog. But she's been up for the last three or four months. Uh, there's been his, some health problems in the family and things. And so mm-hmm. he's been hunting her, and he, I can tell in his voice he's a little frustrated because she's, you know, she's going hunting out there four or 500 yards. But then if she don't find something pretty soon, she's coming back. You know, right. and that's frustrating him right now. And, uh, you know, and, and it, it, there's just so many frustrating things that can happen. And I I got a, a text from a guy the other day that was having that issue. He said his would go about 300 and then come back, you know. Of course, right. we read the story. We want them to stay out there until they find something, you know. Or at least I do, Uh well, that's what Ruby was doing, and she was going to put me on a path to some leaving the woods, going straight to work, Ruby. Mm. <laughs> yeah. So I had to kind of tone her in a little bit, and um, maybe it was a mistake, you know. I mean, I'm, I'm like last night. I don't care which. I put the phone under my seat. I'm not touching it. She can go until if I got to go straight from the woods to work. I'm not toning her. I'm not getting her back. Well, she stayed gone a lot longer. Um, just did nothing. It didn't strike mm-hmm. a thing. 
looked like she was maybe trailing something around there, but it was just nothing moving. And um, it took her a while, probably over an hour, she finally come back, which I wasn't mad at her for that. I, you know, I went and walked down the road a good piece into another spot, and it was so hot, the tongue was dragging. I gave her some water and put her back in, and she went out again for a good while and was gone probably three to 400, but wasn't hunting too far out. But she acted like she was run trailing around on something, but never did open. And then she finally worked her way back. So I loaded her up, you know, but, um, before it was Ruby gone, yanking her back. You know? Yeah. yeah. Well, um, I think there's a combination of things. Now, again, I'll just cite examples that I know. Uh, again, my, our friend Keston, the Clyde dog that he has, I think Clyde will be two in July, uh, like, like, uh, Ruby and Clyde is a hunting dog. I mean, when you aim him and fire him, he's going to go through the country and uh, until he gets onto something and he's, uh-huh. he's, he's pretty good about having those raccoons when he tricks. Right. Uh, so, you know, he, he's, uh, he's a hunting dog, you know, right. and, uh, but he's an extremely good physical condition. If you look mm-hmm. at a picture of that dog, you're going to see a ripped, uh, you know, those hindquarters. I mean, those muscles are just, just stenciled going in, in the there, mountains. you know, <laughs> in the mountains, in the rocks, in the rough stuff, you know. The average guy at this time of year, and, of course, I'm not even <laughs> including myself in this, but mm-hmm. it's a tough road to hoe to hunt in the summertime. I saw oh, uh, Duke Prue, who Duke has hunted, you know, all over the country, and a good coon hunter. He's like uh, all of us. Every year he's getting older, but he's not old yet. But right. he's talking about how much he hates the bugs and the heat <laughs> and, and uh, everything that goes with summer hunting. So to mm. keep keep those dogs out there, especially where you are, um, Billy, you're you're down there in the middle of the furnace. You're in the fiery furnace. So I was speak. looking at my thermostat on my truck right before I got to the woods. It was ninety one. That was mm. like right at dark. Mm. And then the bugs, like you said, God, they was covering me. But I often put a bunch of that on, and it didn't get too bad. When I left, it was around 85, I think, mm-hmm. you know. <laughs> it's still well, pretty warm, you know. Until somebody experiences that. But, you know, I guess the guys that are most apt not to understand the severe summer heat are maybe the guys that are in the mountains or, you know, because what I hunted for years in the upper Midwest in Michigan, right. and the humidity is incredible up there. I yes. mean, it's like a warm blanket when you step out the door, and the mosquitoes are just on steroids up there. They're like little <laughs> drones. Right. Uh, they're like Clayton Stark uh, out there with his drone <laughs> buzzing around you. You know, it's... Uh, the old saying was well, in Michigan, the old boy heard two mosquitoes out on the wind uh, windowsill, and one of them said, 
you want to eat him here or we want to drag him back to the swamp. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't like mosquitoes. I don't either, Steve. But, hey, you know, I mean, I just quit hunting during the summertime around here, if I, you know, if I had mm-hmm. to not hunt because of them, you know. Yeah. I did an article for Coonhound Bloodlines when I was at UKC about mosquito warfare. Mm. And I went out and tried to find every known remedy for mosquitoes that I could find. Uh, you know, even this skin so soft, Avon mm-hmm. lotion. Some people swore by that, and and all these different home remedies and and all. And I found out that probably the more DEET you've got in there, the better off it's going to be. But they say that's not good for you. Uh, and yeah. all you know, but it, it's it's a battle, you know, to fight those things. Yes, but sir. That's summer hunting, and that's coon hunting. If you want to keep one in shape to go to the hunt and and at least make a good showing on right. Friday or Saturday night, you just about got to get out there during the week. Well, that's what I'm trying to do. I, you know, I went to a couple of hunts with her already. One, the first one wasn't very good. She backed it pretty much like I thought she would. And then um, the second one I took a two sh- there with the other two dogs and um, got first strike and took a track way away from them. They went off left-hand trees, uh, two, slick, two, uh, two separate trees, and she went 610 yards to the left and tree on her own and went down there. We couldn't find a coon, but, boy, she sure thought she had it. And I said, well, here we go. We might be on the right track right now. Then took her to another one, and she went out far around a little bit, come back, and act like she didn't know what she would do. I'm like, oh, you know, well, so I laid her up for a week. And um, Brendan, Tony, me and him been hunting together a little bit, and he's going to help me out. Mm-hmm. We're going to take her with his dog. Good hunter. Gonna, Good hunter. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So we're going to do some hunting with her and his dogs and try to get her on the right track. You know, it's a little ways away from me, but I don't mind the drive to get her right. I'll do it a couple of times mm-hmm. a week, you know, so we'll see where it plays out. But I'm, I'm giving up on it by no means. I mean, you know, the dog trees and when she trees, she stay put and she's uh, got a good track. mouth, got a good track. She runs the track like crazy. She just, I think, Steve, to me, she's really, it's a lot of immaturity for a two-year-old, you know. And that's probably, mm-hmm. again, my fault. I mean, mm-hmm. as you know, the way I raised that thing, she was by herself, and just I'm her mama, and she just, you know, she shows a lot of potential and doing good things, but the immaturity's still there, you know. So I believe she'll grow up and get out of that and going to be a fine one when she does. I just do believe it, you know. So. Well, Billy, uh, these hot shots, these young hot shots uh, come and go. But most guys will tell you that have been around, and I know you have, mm-hmm. that these hounds don't really get good until they're three or four years old, and and maybe even in some cases a little older. I mean, right. a lot of them are, are they're quick, and and uh, that's my old buddy Bill Kavner up there, and I think Bill's in Oklahoma, but he was a field rep for UKC. I always called them scorpion quick. He called. Mm-hmm. And uh, but but to get a good solid cooner, and I kind of watched the dogs that did well at the world hunts over the years. You know, those were the seasoned dogs. Those were the dogs that had a lot of hunting under their belts. You know, right. so but you know, as you're talking there, I was just thinking over the years, 
I had some dogs that I really enjoyed hunting, and I was proud to hunt mm-hmm. those dogs. But I hunted them mostly by themselves, or maybe two dogs was about my limit to hunt together. Uh, mm-hmm. All those years I lived in Michigan, unless occasionally some guys would come to hunt, and each guy would take, you know, cut a dog. But you know, I think I just kind of happily went about the night in and night out, going out to a good spot, cutting my dogs, sitting there, leaning against the fence post to find a log to sit down on and just listen to those dogs. And when they got treed, just walk in there, you know, and, and find that coon if it was... Harvest season and the furs were prime. I might take that. Well, I have no might about it. I would take it. But, Mm -hmm. you know, and just kind of went about my business that way. But then when something like plot days came along or a qualifying event or something, I could take that dog and do well with it, you know. And I didn't get into any intensive, specific a regimented training program with those dogs. I just went coon hunting. That's right. You I, know? I know exactly what you're talking about. Absolutely. Yep. So I don't know. Uh, you know, I certainly, I'm not the answer man. Uh, I right. do have answers, but I don't, <laughs> I won't swear to the, to the authenticity or the, or the, the correctness of them. But well, you said a while back too about training dogs. We don't really, do a lot of training on a dog. If they start running a tree and they're going to be teaching themselves all they need to know, but there's some situations arise that like I caused, I guess with her coming back, I don't want her to come back. I want her to keep hunting, you know, till she finds something. Well, me toning her, I do believe that probably caused a lot of that issue. You yeah. Know? So, um, but you're right. If you take them dogs hunting, there's a few things you'll have to do maybe out there. Maybe leaving the tree coming to me. She, she would do that. She'd come to me a little too far. I'd have to get on and get back on that tree. She'd run back on that tree. Well, in a hunt, that can get me minus. I have to work on that. You know, if I'm out there pleasure yeah. hunting, I don't really care if she comes to me and, you know, love wagging her tail and goes back on a tree. But I want to hunt. I do. I want to hunt the competition. I, I really, really do. I enjoy the heck out of it. I mean, if yeah. she ever gets to that point where I can compete, then I'll probably wear out truck after truck because I'm doing some traveling. <laughs> yeah. But, I, you know, I'll have to work on some things for those hunts. But as pleasure dog, man, look, give me a log and turn her loose. I'm as happy as I can be, you know? So. Yeah, I think that's, you know, it's down, if it's bred in us, uh, so to speak, or, you know, it could, it could be a condition thing, but, uh, it, it, you love to hunt. That's right. And your feet get itchy when the sun goes that's down. Right. And, and you, even though you had that bad night the night before and you swore you'd never go again, uh, <laughs> as soon as it right. gets, those far, frogs start peeping in the spring or the whippoorwill yep. calling or whatever, you got to get out there, and I know that. <laughs> well, you know, we've got a little female here, Keston and I, that's out of Frogger. Uh, Frogger is a busy man. <laughs> I that's don't know I how, guarantee it. I don't yes. know how he's carrying the load, but... Uh, no, he might no. give Lipper an old run for his money. He keeps it up. <laughs> <laughs> Could be. I don't have access to any numbers, you know, like I once did in life. But uh, 
and yeah, and you know, his uh, this pup out of him is has made a a big splash here. This farmer dog, uh, you know, went in the national mm-hmm. championship, had him on the podcast here not long ago, and then oh, yeah. here just recently, last weekend, they had that hunter appreciation hunt, uh, Black Widow. Ford about a ninety some thousand dollar pickup. Can you believe that? No, I didn't pay goodness. nine thousand for my first one, so I know. I know, good lord. But anyway, and then you know he, the farmer dog, ended up second in that one. Sure, uh, and uh, so you know, uh, we like the prospect of having a frogger pup out there to hunt, Keston and I do. And we've mm-hmm. got a lot of hopes for a female that we have. And again, uh, you know, I got her from Randy Smith and Keston uh, uh, and I partner on her. And she's out of Jillian, who is out of uh, 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 Biffy Sue, the world champion and uh, bone collector. Right. And But anyway, to get to this, she's been running track and hunting really good. But she mm-hmm. hasn't been treeing much. So, you know, I tell Keston, I said, you know what we really should do is we need to put her with a trainer for a little while so okay. that he can concentrate on getting her to flip that tree switch. Now, mm-hmm. she'd tree her head off on a hang-up, you know, or something. But when the Clyde dog would go in and make a tree, she'd go in and tree a little bit, and then she'd lose interest. And and just get over there, you know, and 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 fool around, or maybe even even go hunting, you know. Right. Well, um, we sent her just here a week or so ago up to Jordan Coble up in. Uh, uh, let's see, I can't think of the name of that town. Seems like it's Burnettsville or something like that. It's up in North Central Indiana, Kunzu up there, I call it. Um, mm. And I've known uh, Jordan's dad and his uncle, Randy and Robert Coble, for years. They're black and tan people pro- predominantly, but although Coble, he must be the black sheep. I mean, uh, Jordan must be the black sheep because he's been hunting walker dogs <laughs> in these hunts. But uh, <laughs> anyway, you know, we send her up there, and he gives her a day or two to kind of acclimate and sent me a video yesterday. He said, well, I got the, the month started off with just a, an easy drag for the pups. And there's our, our pup sitting over there, boy, just like she's nailed to the ground that huh. head throwed back treeing every breath and other pups treeing, running, jumping, flipping, flopping. <laughs> All around, and she's standing right there, focused, looking straight up. Now, you know, uh, I think this is going to do her a lot of good because it's going to take her out of her element that she's normally, she's just been hunted either by herself or with Clyde. Now she's got some other dogs, and now if she's got any competitiveness to her, which I'm sure she does bred the way she is, She's going to want to outdo those other puppies, or I'm going to miss my guess. So, yeah, so sounds like it. I'm thinking that we're going to get a good report back from her. Do I have yeah. a guarantee of that? Absolutely not. 
Right. You know, anything but you're going about it happen. the right way, you know. Well, that's it. And, and you know, people say, well, that's, I don't want to do that. That's too expensive and all. Well, it's really not. Right. When you consider, um, we had a little money in getting her hauled up there by dog caller. And I'll give a shout out to Terry at Great Lakes Dog Transportation. He's from up in Michigan. And he was recommended to me back when I had the cruise dog. And and I found him to be straight up and gets the dogs there and in, in, in a hurry and, and in good shape and all. So that's what we did. And we'll just have to see what happens, you know. Right. Very nice. Yeah. Be, that should do our world of good, you know. Yeah. Well, I think so. And, and uh, but, in well, you and I have talked about this before. These pups are a treasure. The Bible talks about people being a treasure, uh, uh, a treasure in earthen vessels. Mm-hmm. You know, we're our bodies that they're speaking of. Well, these dogs are dog flesh, hide right. and bone, but they're treasures to us. Yeah, absolutely. You know, right. and we've got to try. It's just like we had a bright child. And he's real smart, we could tell. He was real smart, you know, when he's little and just never send him to school and never give him an opportunity to read or write or learn, you know. Mm-hmm. What a what a tragedy that would be. I know. And I look at these dogs the very same way, you know. Every sing- I believe every single one of them deserves the best chance they can get, you know. I agree. I definitely agree. And you can see it in one. I mean, there's some that you um, can just see that it'll never make it. I mean, just be honest. I mean, there's some you'll see that just don't act like they have a oh, know, yeah. brain in their head. I get that. But yeah. if one shows you that, hey, you know, I, I think I deserve a chance and shows me this and that and other than doggone it, it's going to get every single chance I can give it, just like I have with Ruby. I mean, it's she'll never go anywhere. I mean... You know, she might not make the best dog, might not make the best competition dog. But I can take her out there and treat a coon with her. And I and, and I enjoy her around the house. She's not aggravating dogs. She don't do things stupidly and she don't mess in her pen. You know, she don't bark excessively in the kennel, nothing. So, I mean, uh, you know, I mean, she she just got a home for life. It don't cost that much more to feed, you know. I mean, I'm planning on getting another one and I'm going to keep trying if she don't make competition dog. Well, I'm actually going to breed her. You know, so and I'm yeah. her talent is out out the roof. So I know with her breeding and her talent that you know some of the man made things that I've done her shouldn't affect a puppy's bred to a you know a really really good stud like I plan on breeding to. You know, well, so. I think I, there's a chapter in my book about talking about which are the inherent uh characteristics and traits in these dogs and which ones are trained and which ones. Is it God's responsibility to give them, and which ones is it our responsibility to put Mm -hmm. into that dog? And and it goes both ways. You know, these dogs, thanks to the breeders down through the centuries, you know, have bred these dogs to be hunters, open trailers, and uh, stay put tree dogs. Not all of them make that. Yeah, right. uh, there's a lot of families with bright kids and and good kids, and there's that one black sheep. 
<laughs> that seems to go its own way, you know. Yes. But um, well, I do know that you have planned. You are you're looking out there and and expecting by the end of the year to breed Ruby, aren't you? Absolutely. I've mm-hmm. already talked to you know. Um, I tell you my thinking. I did a lot of studying. Steve, I'm looking for puppies here, there, and I've you know I've had some. Um, some projects that I thought I might look into, it just didn't feel right. So I said, you know what? I can get puppies. I'm definitely not breeding her to sell puppies. I'm breeding her to get something for me. Okay, so this is my whole thinking because I could breed her to Frogger and probably sell the puppies for two grand a piece. I don't, but I don't want to do that. And I, you know, um, I've already decided and talked to to Joe Man, and he's gonna we're gonna breed old goose to her. When she comes in, he's a coon dog. He showed that, you know, he's a world champion. His breeding is through the roof. You know, you got rodeo and that whole thing, and his, all his, uh, the dams and the, the gyps on his side of the producers are just flat out through the roof. So I really like it a lot. I feel great about it. There so when she go. comes in, I'm traveling to Texas and we're going to get it done, you know, and hopefully I might have. You know, the next world champion out of it. The reason I'm doing it, that don't sound cocky, but that's why I want to do it. <laughs> sure. Yeah, well, so, you, you've you got to make the effort. And I got time to, sure. to, to definitely work on her from now until then, see where she's at and what she's going to be doing. And that's, that's probably around, I got it on my calendar, November, December, somewhere in there. She should be coming back. Now. Well, you know, in looking at a bitch to breed, you know, I would ask myself the, these questions, and I'm sure you probably have. Is there anything in this dog or in her bloodline that it, that I absolutely can't tolerate? Is there something here that if those puppies turned out with that behavior or that trait or that fault, whatever you want to call it, that I just absolutely couldn't tolerate. Then if there were, or was, as the case may be, mm-hmm. I would probably think twice about breeding the dog. But from, what, yep. but from what I'm seeing in Ruby, I see a dog that goes hunting. You at one time were concerned about her hunting too too deep. Uh, yes. And you know, and you had the episode when you lost her there for a couple of days and all that. Right. You know that she's a tree dog. She'll stay tree. You've you've aired enough videos of you slossing through that ankle-deep and (laughs) knee-deep water, killing them doggone (laughs) cottonmouth and all that stuff, you know. And I said, boy, ain't Billy having fun out there tonight. (laughs) I I said, I I could go. (laughs) I could go right out here. I don't have one to turn loose here right now. But I can go right out here in a mile of the house and wade through that garbage too. All, all right. I want to. But but anyway, you know what she is and what she's capable of, and you know her bloodline and you know what it's produced and all of that. So you're gonna make an edge and have made an educated decision to take her to the the uh Thunderbirds Black Goose, and that is yes, name. Sir. 
Yep. Uh, Joe Manning Jr. there in Texas, well-known, well-respected coon hunter. Oh, absolutely. And, right. uh, you know, so, hey, good for you, man. Any time you do a breeding, you can study, plan, scheme all you want. You're still going to be rolling the dice because absolutely. you don't know for sure. But, hey, you'll never know unless you do it. Nope. And that's, hey, you know, I'm going to, um, how you say it's taking it, you know, I'm taking a chance, but I feel really good about the chance I'm taking, you know, yeah. so it might yeah. not work out, but you Absolutely. can't go wrong when you, you know, you breed to a dog like Goose and Joe is an outstanding guy. Man, we message all the time and, you know, yeah. Uh, oh, I, yeah. I, I've, I've backed out on a few things here and there and, you know, you think about something and you want this and want that and then you think about it and you're like, yeah. I don't really know. And well, I haven't, this is a go, you know, yeah. so yeah. we, um, well, you feel I've, good about I've it. asked my very same question you said about asking everything about Ruby and I can't, there's nothing about that dog. That just flat out says I wouldn't. I don't want that trait. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. especially from the the brains and her eyes. Uh, I've seen her at a very young age. My God, Steve, she was, I think, fifteen or sixteen months old when she took a very cold track and moved that dude through some of the stuff you and me wouldn't want to go through, and just kept on moving, kept on moving, and she got it up hot enough where she run it. Then she went, then this was last summer. Then she run it uh, down the edge of the road, come back and treed. She was 0.8 something. And I'm like, oh gosh, you'll never stay there. I mean, I got to get going. So, and it took me a long time to get there. Well, it was hot. She was in a kind of a piney wood area and had a coon in an oak tree, big coon. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, you could, I don't even know if I was on the ground at the time. I might have been walking all over there because I've never, this is something grown dogs don't do. I mean, she just, I've seen her do the work. And when she trees, she's there. I've been, you know, young dog, most of the time they leave and they want to, I've never, and this is just not talking, but she has never just up and left a tree that she was treed on. I've had to go get her. And I'm talking about with other dogs in the woods. I mean, as far as stay put and treeing, it's a trait that I just, if anything else, I'm a breed for that. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> you know I mean? Yeah. For the guys out there that are contemplating raising a litter pups, you've got a good female on you. You know, these are all good words, and we hope you're listening to this and, and letting it soak in a little bit. Uh, you know, we, Billy, you, you're not going to know for sure how Ruby's pups are going to turn out. No, sir. But I mean, we are like our parents. Just we are, and our these pups are going to be like their parents in some ways. Right. Maybe not always, but in some ways. So, you know, my grandmother had a saying to me when I was very young, and my grandmother is was probably the one person that shaped my ideals and goals for the future more than anybody else in my life. And she would say, "Stephen, make sure you're right." And then go ahead. Mm-hmm. All right. In other words, she was saying, now, I couldn't know for sure that I was right. But I, I, she was telling me, you think about things. And you think about it. And if it seems like the right thing to you, you go ahead and do it. You know, don't go out there and do things um, slipshod, you know, and all and mm-hmm. on impulse. Think about it. But uh, 
So anyway, that's what you've done. You've thought about well, this cross. To, if I was to put it out there that I wanted to breed her and ask everybody, like like the question of, like mm. I said before, you ask a mm. hundred times, you get a hundred different answers. Oh, it's not yeah. going to be up to anybody but me and mm -hmm. the person who's got a jip who, yeah. you know, you got to feel good about it. And um, I have looked it over and there was a few I was going to try, but I ultimately decided to go with that. Now, that you might not agree and so-and-so might not agree and that one might not agree and but that's all well and good but i have to do this for me yeah and for ruby a so it's just like everybody else has a dog who's gonna mm -hmm. breed it's got to do the same thing sure you know? and when we do this you know if we do it for the right reasons we breed these right. dogs and if they turn out right we think the good lord and and, and right. enjoy them <laughs> and and be proud of ourselves for being so smart you know, and, but but and if they know. don't turn don't out right, then we can blame those doggone breed. You can blame Joe Manning. You can say that doggone Joe. Yeah, but that that's the coon hunter way, unfortunately, and it shouldn't be that way. You know, no, but, it's not. Uh, it shouldn't be. Uh, I would definitely not do that for sure. <laughs> um, I understand how this thing works. <laughs> you know, ain't a whole lot of blame to put on a human being for this stuff, except yourself, yeah, I guess. That's you know? right. Well, you're the one that puts them in the pen together. That's so right. ultimately, you have to bear the responsibility of it. You know. Yep. But but. Uh, a little uh, caveat to that is, you know, it's not in your control totally. Mm -hmm. You know, it's con the decision, yes, but what happens after that uh, is in in nature's hands. And, That's uh, right. I agree. Yeah, yeah sure. Yeah. Well, I want to switch gears away from these doggone walker dogs. It seems like the world <laughs> is absolutely consumed with them. And for good reason. People say, why are there so many walkers out there? Because they win. <laughs> That's, That's right. I can tell you. Yes, sir. But uh, as you know, I got a plot. My buddy Mark Miller and I got a plot, mm -hmm. and we like him, and he's doing really good. We're trying to trying to be low-key with the things he's doing right now until he's got something ready to crow about. But he just, uh, you know, he's a great great pup and, and he's doing yeah, really yes. good and he's he's coming along but what i want to talk to you about is red bones oh okay. i saw your post today or yesterday about this little female what a good looking oh. gal she was tell me the story about that female Steve, man, look, I'd be glad to, because look, I was thinking about her last night and this morning, and sometimes I get to thinking about something hard. I just got to write it out. People might not like to read it. Who cares? I just got to write it out to talk about it, you know, but this dog, um, when I first went with Roy and this little Jip, she was very young and she'd go with the dogs and all, well, I don't remember how this little pleasure hunt went, but he had unleashed and I'm walking behind them and man, this thing just got him steaming. She would pull him every which way, go off, she'd go around trees. But she was such a, a, a sleek-looking little red-bone gypsy. She wasn't a big, houndy kind of, you mm. know, she just very buffed. Man, beautiful little dog. Can I interrupt you just a sure. minute? I, her picture, she looks beautiful, as you said. Yes. What, what was her breeding, do you know? She was um, 
I don't remember exactly her daddy and all. I don't, but she was definitely heavy timber chopper because that's all those guys. Huh? Yeah, I now, remember that. For know? those who might uh, not have been around as long as Billy and me, um, uh, Max Hunter over in Richmond, mm-hmm. Virginia, had the timber chopper red bolts, and they were very uh, popular back in the day. And uh, the dog, uh, Hunter's Famous Amos, that won the Purina Award. And uh, the first Redbone to do that, that is owned by Roger Shable and, and handled by Roger mm-hmm. Gibson there in Alabama, uh, he was a timber chopper bred dog. And those dogs had a characteristic. They were dark red, beautiful, houndy-looking dogs, and they had a lot of black around their muzzle. And you could kind of, it's kind of like a calling card on a lot of those That's dogs right. that you could tell that timber chopper breeding. Okay, I'm going to shut up well, now. I want you to tell me about this feeling. Well, Roy, Roy and Philip Gray down here were really good friends with Max Hunter and those guys. Mm-hmm. They knew them real well. So that's what they were breeding. So that's how come I knew it was timber chopper. I remember Philip well. Yes, sir. Well, um, anyway, I got to talking to Roy that night and we worked it out and I guess he was aggravated with her, but he let me go ahead and buy the dog. I took her a few times and she was doing great. Now I had to work on her with the lead, but smart as a whip, I'm telling you, she would lead. I'd have to, I, and up until I got rid of her, well, I wound up, I'll tell that story. But anyway, she, um, she would lead. You wouldn't even have to hardly hold it. You didn't have to know she was there. I, I just, I, I, and after when she did that, I fell in love with her. Because, <laughs> I mean, you know, a dog can make you hate them if they're pulling you through the woods. But she became really, really good on that lead. And when she, we turned her loose, she'd hunt, she'd run, she'd treat. She was young, treat so hard. I mean, just everything you want nowadays in a walking dog, this little jip was. And I mean, I found this out now because I didn't know it back then. I didn't know Red Bones was slow or whatever hunting. And I just figured she was a good looking dog and she was doing good, you know. But um, anyway, we lost her one night. Um, she wound up getting hit by a car at, on Highway uh, 41 out there. And guy I knew from deer hunting around there picked her up and I went and had to go. I thought she was dead, but... Uh, he told me, no, she was still alive, but she was messed up. And me and my dad went and got her, and uh, I brought her back to the house. I had to pick her up out of the truck. I'm bawling like a baby because, man, this dog, is just she got a hold of me. We just bonded, just say that. She was becoming a good dog, and I really liked her, but I wasn't going to put her down or anything because she was fine up the, from the belly up. She looked great. She, I mean, her head was fine. She didn't get hurt, but she just had problems with her back in. So... I kept her, put her in, made her comfortable at the house, worked on her. And uh, she wound up getting where she was starting to move. And I stayed with her for a long time. And heck, she'd come out of it. She ate. She would lay there and she'd eat. She had no problems doing that. So um, she finally, you know, after, you know, I guess, I don't know how long it was, a week or two, whatever, she started to want to get up. And she did. And she got up and was standing. Now, her Right foot never did get right. I guess nerve or something, but she never had any use of that right foot, that back right foot. Uh, but she stood up, and uh, man, she had the heart of a lion, Steve. I mean, this little dog was just something. If I don't care what breed you hunt, you know, if you'd have known this dog, you'd have really absolutely fell in love with her because 
I went a long time. I didn't put her in the woods. I just let her heal. And it was well over a year. I got married, moved to Mississippi, and met a good friend of mine down there. And he had a little black and tan walk across old grade that was a heck of a coon dog. And the first night we went with her was the first night I took her well over a year. Um, we went with his dog, turned loose down there on that Mississippi River. She left there with that dog. They treated three singles. We turned loose three times. They treated three singles. She on every tree. And I don't know who treated first. And he's looking at me like, yeah, you was right. That's a pretty nice little jip. I said, I didn't know how she was going to do. She was laid up for so long, but she took off from, mm. all, you know, all that straight in the running and tree and again, you know. Yeah. Heart of a lion. I love that little dog. And when I was in that picture I showed, she was still a little thin. And she Who was, was that you know, kid in that picture? Oh, I don't know dog. him. I just let him hold the dog. <laughs> 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 but I was, hey, when I stood up, I had to call my mom and all our times come take that picture. She ain't going to believe this. Come see. She's standing. I'm like, she's going to heal up just fine. You know, mm -hmm. um, I didn't know her foot wouldn't get better, but I was just happy. And they knew I was because uh, that little dog was, I think I hunted her. I don't remember, but I think I hunted her in a hunt. And I, I won my cast, but it was seventh place or something like that. But um, she just, she was just very young. She was very young. So she was had a, nothing but a bright future ahead of her. You know, oh yeah. Um, but I did. I liked her a lot. And what happened was, is I kept hunting her over there, and she we did a bunch more coon training with her, and she just drugged that back foot to pieces. And I don't know what happened, um, but she started to. She got on a couple of deer. Like mm. Now this was, you know, after we'd done been hunting, and I guess they had a lot of deer out there in that river swamp where we was hunting, but. The guy, and I didn't have the money to take her to the vet or anything, and um, a buddy of ours that was hunting with us asked me if he could have her, and he would get her foot cut off. It, I mean, it needed it. It was just mm -hmm. nothing, you know. And I uh, wanted to run deer with her, you know. And I had another dog, a little walker jip, and so and he was going to be hunting with us anyway, and they were going to, I said, go ahead, you know. And he wound up doing that, and uh, she healed up fine. He showed me old foot healed up, but he... A little booger Steve run a deer out of this country. You hear me? I mean, he loved her. He, mm. You know, I mean, I, I I felt bad, and I really wanted a dog to make it, but it was a little bit out of my hands at that time. And at least she got to hunt and do what she wanted to do and got her foot taken care of. And, you know, so um, it kind of worked out. I wish I could have kept her. She would have been healthy. I probably would have raised her, you know, hunted until she was old and old and great and died, you know. But yeah. it well, just didn't work out. Um what a what a what a what a dog! I really I don't know. Mm -hmm. Like I said, I wasn't kidding. I said I'd, uh, if I had to have one back, I'd love to have her back. I'd everything I've owned, you know. Wow! Uh, did she have a decent mouth? She had a really good mouth. It wasn't any big big mouth, but it was a better than a female mouth and a nice chop on that tree that you could sit there and just mm -hmm. you can move your fist back and forth and she trees. <laughs> you know, one of them kind that you just loved it. You know. Well, you know, the so, red bones, of course, the walkers, when they came on the scene, this night hunt game was just tailor-made for them because they were speed dogs. They were had been bred selectively. That's 
you know, how the Walker family ultimately ended up with these Walker foxhounds was the need uh-huh. for speed, you know. They wanted a dog that could run the red fox to ground, you know, and uh, dogs that they'd bred for years and imported from Ireland and all these places, hmm. you know, weren't really fast enough. When they imported the red fox and into Virginia and Maryland and those places, they began to migrate west. You know, the dogs that they they were breeding just couldn't couldn't catch him, couldn't put him right. to ground. And the story, and it's true, you know, they picked up a drummer or somebody picked up that dog named Tennessee Lead that looked a lot. He would probably have looked a lot like some of the dogs that we would think of in the Walker breed, like the preacher bred dogs or like... Uh, like Lane Denny's female Emmy there, mm-hmm. you know, and those, uh, a lot of black and tan. Uh, but anyway, he was credited with putting the speed in their pack, you know, so they right. could catch. But anyway, I got off on a rabbit path there. These Walker dogs, you know, did so well with the night hunts. But when the hunts and the field trials and all first came around uh, for registered dogs, Back in the early days of UKC, the Red Bones were the big dog. They were the winners. They were the mm-hmm. field trial winners. They, the first night champion recorded at UKC was a Red Bone. You know, wow. and uh, and so you know the Red Bone was an extremely popular coon dog back in the day, but over the years, you know, the sheer numbers of Walker dogs and all that. Have you know, just kind of swept over them. And now I don't have access to the numbers at UKC like I once did, but they were the, out of the six breeds we had at that time, they were number five and the plot being number six. So, but. And you know, I can't understand that myself because, you know, right, you're right back in the day, even around when famous Amos. And let me tell you, when I saw that cover of that Coonhound Bloodlines, Man, I, mm. that's when, and then I got Lady. Oh, I was living in high cotton. I mean, you know, I just, yeah. that, that's really what, you know, made me like the red bones. Um, mm-hmm. But you're right, they kind of faded. Uh, I hate it. Because, like I said, if I could get one, you know, like her, I don't have a problem with it. I mean, I would own her in a minute. Well, there's you know? some good so. ones around. There certainly are, and and I would yeah, they gotta it. go through a whole lot though. I'm mm-hmm. probably way up in the tooth, be trying to go through too many. <laughs> well, I can tell you this: if you go to National Red Bone Days or American Red Bone Days, and go out with some of those titled dogs that you will see there and walk along, you'll see some coon dogs. Oh, I guarantee it. I know. I wouldn't mind. Yeah, I know. Mm-hmm. I believe it. You know. Yeah. Well, that, those are always good stories to go back and relive oh, and yeah. think about and uh, the good red dogs. And uh, I, I've never owned a red bone, but always thought they were beautiful, just like everyone else. Oh, yeah. And, uh, of course, that book, <laughs> Where the Red Fern Grows uh, Forever, you know, changed the lives of many, many people. That I've You know what, Steve? That never did... Um, 
that that I, of course I read the book and I seen the movie, but it never did affect me with the red bones and stuff like that. I never did do that because of that show for some reason. You know, I don't know. Uh, I loved it. You know, I was a young kid and all, but that didn't really have any effect. That didn't on resonate with, with you, huh? not much. No, it didn't. Mm-hmm. It's um, but you know, and I've hunted and oh God, how many dogs have I ever seen tree coons? And you know, they ain't. When you get a good red bone standing on that tree and that joker flinging that head back and treeing with every chop, I don't know if that's a pretty one. Well, don't I, ask me why. He's a solid red color, but mm. something about him up there on that tree, man, that booger looks good, you know. Well, when I came back from the military in the mid, well, early 70s, um, 1970, not 18. <laughs> Uh, (laughs) There was some guys there around my hometown in West Virginia that loved red bones. And they went out and bought some nice dogs and brought them in there. And to stud them and to hunt them and just to have them and to brag about them, I guess. But there was a red bone breeder years ago, and I don't know if you know this name or remember his dogs, Roy Blakesley from Minnesota. I heard the name for sure. Northern Redbones. Mm-hmm. Big, dark, as the Redbone ads would say, cherry red. Mm. Big old Beautiful. flat heads that you could lay a ball on it and it would roll <laughs> off. <laughs> and a guy named Chick Scarborough there in our hometown bought one called Blakesley's Northern Chief. Mm. And old Chief would climb. He was a big dog. I'd say Chief would weigh close, somewhere between 80 and 100. Big dog. Built like a red bone statue. Mm. And he would put those feet up on that tree and throw that big old head back. And, man, it was, you know, y'all come. I got a raccoon <laughs> up here, and I want to show it to you. And I hauled uh, Chief in my truck uh, to hunts with Chick. Chick and I'd go to hunts occasionally. And mm-hmm. I remember one we went to about a two-and-a-half-hour drive or so to Point Pleasant, West Virginia. And I got a cast win that night and got some points on my dog, but he won the hunt. 400 plus um and uh yeah just mm. i always remember that dog and he was sold to a fella named jimmy uh jimmy jimmy fisher in leeds alabama leeds is a little town not far from my buddy nubbin moore where charles barkley the basketball players from okay but jimmy fisher bought that dog and i think the tick, the check was, if I remember right, was twenty five hundred dollars, and that oh. was more money than anybody around in our part of the country had ever seen paid for a coon dog. Wow! Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. Coon dog mm. history. I tell you how you bring back some memories, Steve. You know, I, I, I'll tell you what I did here lately. I changed my kennel name because I had that old kennel name way back when I started mm-hmm. and I understand some changes and I kind of thought about it and I really wanted to 
So you know what? I'm going to start anew. So I changed it, and um, I'm going to use it as here going forward and love the memories and love that stuff, but there's so much that's changed that is, you know, I'm moving forward, and I'm going to have to just, you know, I'd love to go with a red bone, and I, I, I wouldn't have an issue with it if I could find the right one. Even a blue tick, I have no problem with hunting any of those dogs, but the walker dog right now is really where I'm at. And that's mm-hmm. probably sure. where I'm going to stay, you know. So uh, it's just, you know, it is what it is right now. And um, hopefully it'll pay off in the next few years and we'll find out. But I'm moving with the changes. I don't want to, I'm never going to forget the past. I hear a lot of people talk about, man, they're so mad. I mean, people are actually angry. They don't ever want to <laughs> leave, you know. And I'm not, yeah. definitely don't want to be that way. Um, there's rule changes. There's a lot of changes going on in this sport. And, and man, if you wanted to, if I wanted to just pleasure hunt like I did 30 years ago, then that's, I'll be happy doing it, but I won't be mad at you if you don't. If you want to yeah. move forward, that's okay. You know, sure. Uh, sure. I just, um, right now, I did enjoy that, but I really enjoy what actually what's coming. I don't mm-hmm. have an issue with it. And, and me personally, I don't have the money to hunt those big pro sports, but if I did, I'd probably spend it, Steve. I mean, well, that's, sure you would. I would do yeah. it, you know? Yeah. Um, but I don't get the whole jealousy or anything else about where the sport's at, where it's going, doggone it. We can move this thing in a way that makes us happy. Everybody will be happy. I don't really understand any other way, you know? Yeah. So. Well, well said, Billy. When in the episode I had with uh, David West, the the business partner and driver and musician for Cass Walker, he mm-hmm. said, Cass told him, you know, don't ever try to grab somebody by the coattail and hold them back. You get right. up there and you get up right up there with them and, and you go with them and you, if they've got some tricks you don't have, you you steal the tricks <laughs> and you learn there from you them, go. you know. That's right. But That's when you're I'm back saying. there holding, trying to hold them back, you're, you're pulling up the rear, you know. Yep. And and that is, you know, such good advice for anybody in life or coon dogs That's or right. anything else is, you know, be happy for other people's success. You know? Absolutely. You know, yes. I look at this, uh, uh, you know, this uh, echo dog of Scott Ingalls. You know, this dog mm-hmm. has won a phenomenal number of hunts. And I know there was a little controversy about this last hunt. There's been some scuttlebutt, but it didn't involve him, I don't believe. Right. I don't but, think. But, uh, you know, uh, but th- there's always going to be that, and I'm not I'm not even qualified to even bring that up because I know absolutely nothing about it. Uh, right. Nor do most of those people that are commenting on social media. Exactly. But that doesn't yep. usually stop people from <laughs> from commenting but yeah let's let's get in a harness together and let's pull and, and pull this thing on through you know i think that'd be a great idea myself yeah you know well billy we've been at it an hour and five minutes and i think yes. that's probably a lot long enough for people to listen to us for this Absolutely. episode but well, i tell I, you Steve, i sure enjoy talking to you you can call me anytime shoot on the on the phone, just talk off this podcast, whatever. Heck, we'll run down some 
some coons. Well, I'm have looking. to fight the moccasins doing it. <laughs> <laughs> well, if I come and hunt with you, brother, it's going to be in wintertime, but I'd love to do that. <laughs> <laughs> Anytime. Any single time. I Hopefully I'll have yeah. my four-wheeler by then, you know. Well, if I survive, I'm going on a trip here uh, this leaving next Monday, Ella and I, going up to her daughter's home in New Jersey. New so, Jersey. New Jersey, right. yeah. And so we'll be up there a while, but, man, I just found out there's a good trout stream right there Ooh. where she lives. And it, they say they're just jumping out on the bank. So I guess oh, there's I'm, not a thing wrong with that. I told my daughter not long ago, I said, boy, she'll miss my fish. I need to just go sit under some limbs and catch me some perch and just take right. time away from this stuff for a while. You, you know? got it, man. The cares of life will just roll away. Kind of like leaning back against a big oak and listening to a hound trail on that swamp next December. You know? <laughs> That's right. Yes, sir. Well, Billy, it's been an absolute pleasure to visit with you, my friend. I appreciate you, you too, taking Steve. the time with us. I will do just a little bit of housekeeping uh, here. I always want to say house cleaning. Uh, that's something that I'm not familiar with. <laughs> but anyway, uh, we have this uh, Wheel of Names drawing every Monday night on Facebook, 6.30 Eastern Daylight Time. That'll be... 5.30 for you people out there where Billy lives in the central time zone. Um, and what we do is uh, we put a question of the week on Facebook, on my personal web, uh, our Facebook page, Stephen F. Fielder. And um, we put the question on there, and it comes from the episode that's played the week before. And if you can correctly answer the question, send it by messenger. To me, I'll put your name on the wheel. Uh, we're talking today to a prior winner. Billy, I think you won our first spin, didn't you? Yes, sir. Sure yeah. did. I'm still, yeah, I'm using that thing too, but squalling when All I go right. around my neck. <laughs> That's right. It's a good one. It's a three reed metal design, lightweight. Mark Zepp, the renowned coon hunter and uh, call maker. He's made mm -hmm. coyote calls, predator calls, all kinds of stuff. Anyway, we have that. We have a Gone to the Dogs podcast sticker and a DU hunting supply lanyard that will provide for you if your name comes up on the spin. So that'll be every Monday at 630. I want to thank those folks out at DU Hunting Supply for uh, making this podcast possible. Somebody asked you, where's Steve Fielder these days? Tell him he's down there in that oven that they call Louisiana with Billy Dwyer while those boys have gone to the dogs. Mm -hmm.